Well, uh, my office is currently being turned into a nursery, so it is very bland. Oh boy. Are you uh, expecting or planning to kidnap a kid? Uh, <coughs> well, until we were expecting, I was planning to kidnap him. But, uh, <laughs> oh, now we're expecting. So, uh, expecting it in February. Congratulations, dude! I got you beat. We're we're gonna we're gonna be turning this podcast into a nursery in uh the end of November. So way to yes. way to copy me, dude. I was uh, I made a um, child trafficking joke yesterday to some friends of mine back home. It's my uh, my friend group text for uh, college football, Nick, oh. and it's all it's all uh, guys I went to college with, and they all have kids. And there and we there is a college football game on Thursday. They're all talking about you know meeting up and and all going to the game. And I said, yeah, I'll be there too with my kids, the ones I just trafficked. And they got so offended. Yeah. By that, I I know, patted myself on the back. I think the stereotype of like tailgating shenanigans and like just I don't know chaos. Do not gone. do not do yeah. not try to make a QAnon comparison with college football, please. Because I think that's where you're headed. <laughs> I wasn't going to. I was just saying the stereotype of like, you know, it all goes in the in the tailgate party. It's like probably you got to mind your P's and Q's now. These are college kids. They're going to get offended. Oh no, these aren't. Co- no, no, no. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't have these friends in college, and they stayed college age, and I, I grew up. Know. Although that would be tight. Some sort of Benjamin Button college. Isn't that uh, everybody stuck in time? Favorite quote from matthew mcconaughey in yeah oh yeah they all stay the same age mm-hmm. nick would you rather be a in a benjamin button situation or just stay the same age of whatever age you would like um <laughs> this is the worst I mean, question i feel <laughs> yeah you know what let's benjamin benjamin. i feel pretty old so you'd but you'd be Benj- you'd be it let's be be it Oh, nobody picks it BB. Dude, that's a bold choice. That's the, a BBB. You know, the problem with the BB is you can see the end of the tunnel. You know when you're done. I, I've never seen the movie. so But but you're happy. No, you're not. You're a child. No, you're getting dumb. Yes, <laughs> you're happy. It, I, I be, happy. dude. Ignorance is bliss. Ask any child. They're only looking forward to getting older. Also, Randy... Turn your fucking camera back on. This is a hangout episode, dude. Yeah. We got to talk, talk about films <laughs> with Nick. Now, again, uh, tonight's meeting is an excuse, really, to hang out with our, our good buddy, now known as Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we didn't call you Nick last time you were on. I do, because I'm, uh... you call people by their full names because you get nervous. No, because I'm polite. I don't know about that. I, I, I'm all about the human connection. Isn't that right, Randy? Always. Okay. Do you have your mic muted? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Randy, you need to get up at the helm because you need to weigh in here. Now, today, uh, the council has been called because I really do want to put a final touch on Halloween ends. There's a thing that's been happening on this show. One, Clark likes to shoot from the hip when we get on here. So he just six years running. And you know, when you're when you don't sit down and toil over what you want to say about a movie, 
you end up just running through the plot. And a lot of the times, people <laughs> call it spoiling. So we got a lot of flack. For, and I say we, even though I didn't do it. Yeah, but that, I feel like that's, that's, old, that's old rope at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, we don't do it anymore. I know, but... Now we know. get shit for not talking enough about a movie. See, see what I mean? So that's what we're going to do today. Because I, I, there's a lot that hasn't been said about Halloween Kills. And I was looking forward I, to uh, hanging out with people who actually hated the movie. But ends or kills? Oh, God. You know, that's the third time today I've done that. Well, because uh, kills, I love kills. Kills is on your brain. Nick, Nick how did you feel about kills? Um, I kind of hated it. And then oh, we I, went back last, I went back last week and I thought, like, maybe I was just being too harsh. Because I loved ends. And I was, maybe I'm being too harsh. And then I still kind of sucked. <laughs> Say, so in, in still didn't save kills. Did not save kills. Uh, but I feel like it can stand, ends can just stand on its own with the Corey Cunningham. Okay, interesting. I'm, I'm glad that you're a fan of ends but not kills because that's weird. I, I've heard, I've had a lot of conversation. And when concerning this trilogy, people who are on board for kills almost always, actually, it's not a given. And seems to be the one that's like fraying the fan base right now. And I think a lot of horror fans were really into kills just because of the kill count. Like if you're a slasher fan, it's really easy to just be on board. Well, also everybody's mad at Jamie Lee now. Really? Oh, I, apparently she came out and said that she doesn't like horror movies or something. Well, she also don't, like, don't come to us if you're trying to learn this. <laughs> yeah. Even celebrity. No, she did. And I, I talked about that last night because the two girls who, uh, got to be part of her family and actually play her in Rob Zombie's frayed part of this franchise. Uh, they were the ones who were, you know, complaining about their interaction with her. And they didn't know that she doesn't watch horror movies. So. Yeah. Whatever. Boo-hoo. Uh, Nicholas, did you... Um, Glad we brought it up. Again, uh, I was really going to try and not call you Nicholas, but, you know, I really... I, like, I, go, I go by the birth certificate here. Well, you give him <laughs> the same respect as Winding <laughs> Refn, so you just, you go along with the same... <laughs> That's it. So no, Nick. Uh, man, first off, thanks for hanging out. Why yeah, man. yeah. Thanks for having me. Every time we've thrown it out there, where it's like, Does anybody want to come on here and just talk about a film? Which honestly, I think is the more popular way to do horror podcasting is just to look at one movie. Yeah, but you know, we're tired of talking to Robbie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> just not, not true, true Robbie. <laughs> but you've reached out, and we just we couldn't make it work because you're an old man on East Coast time, like our engineer. This, just, this, is expecting, <laughs> this is an expecting father who tries to play it stuff out. Yeah, and I don't know what that is. <laughs> so, dude, thank you for hanging out. Um, yeah, thanks what, for having what me. Were we, what were you trying to get you on before? Was it for Barbarian? Well, I yeah, I was listening to your guys' episode where you, I think you put out the call for people for Barbarian. I had just seen it, and I was looking for people to talk to about it, but I have no friends, so I was like... I'll reach out. I do. Well, let's talk barbarians. Yeah, yeah. What was your hot take on Barbarian? I was actually trying to remember what my hot take was, but I think it really, all it was, was uh, I was kind of bored by the first act, and then it wasn't until uh, Justin Long came in that I was sold on it. And then so, it was super fun, I think, from there. What but, did you know going in? Are you a trailer guy, Do you st or are you trying to abstain from all that stuff? That one, I didn't know anything. I just saw some hype about it on Twitter, and then 
saw that there was like an early screening at Alamo, and I was like, fuck it, let's just go check it out. Boom, I think I had a similar experience. Because like, I, the, the reason I asked about the trailer thing is because, um, you know, Russell is completely anti-trailer. Yeah. So much so to where even if he's in the theater yeah. and the trailer plays before the motion picture, he will curl up into a fetal position, put both e- fingers in his ears and go, la, 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 la. That's not far from the truth. I um I learned it's much easier <laughs> just to go on my phone. <laughs> I need to like cover my eyes and try and it, yeah, it's kind of ridiculous, but uh, trying to go for the more entertaining. Approach. I know Siskel and Ebert. It's the only thing I've ever agreed with them on is that trailers are a waste of time. I like a trailer. Well, I think it it to make that statement, you have to be kind of blind to broader culture, because not a lot of people blindly see every horror movie that goes into the theater. So. I, I think there's an art in trailer making. I think yeah. I love I I really do like trailers. I also think trailers can be wildly destructive. Yeah, but I think you're romanticizing yeah. some Tarantino kind of bullshit where in the seventies they had a dude who wasn't related to the movie at all and they'd be like, cut a trailer. And that's like a weird art from a dude who wasn't connected to the movie trying to figure out what it was and sell it to people. Yeah. I'm totally into that. Now I don't know what's going on. I think it's all Disney algorithms or something. Yeah, Nick, what's your experience with trailers? Have you have you been able to have like control over yours, or you got to play the game? Have you ever lived in one? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, only yeah, in one down by the river. Um, <laughs> but uh, in the two features I released so far, they yeah they would like they would take our input on the trailer, but like technically they could do whatever the fuck they wanted, but. So you you guys like, cut it though? No, they like they hired some ex- outside guy or company to do it. Yeah, yeah, it's marketing. It's yeah. a different, it's a different thing. But what about like music and stuff? Would you have like control over that, or they? Yes, yeah, the whole kit and caboodle is their thing. Uh, we, yeah, it's their whole their whole thing. I was very specific on the it cuts deep one that uh, I was like, please just use music from the from the score and like don't. Else. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Did you listen to our barbarian episode? Yeah, I maybe don't remember much from it, but I'm pretty sure I listened to it. All right, because I need clarification on whether or not my uh, theory checked out. Which who are we talking to? Oh, it, we have a we have a guest. Uh, can we talk about it? We already have it like locked. Well, yeah. Also, Kevin. I think I think we put out the on Tuesday because I listened to Tuesday's episode, uh, which God, if I didn't listen to episodes, uh-huh. I don't know if we get anything right. Yeah, probably not. Because I have to go back and correct things. Uh, but yeah, um, because I think that the we set forth the expectation that this Thursday would be what we the nicest man in the world. It so some people will think that, Nick, you are the <laughs> nicest man in the world. So that's actually good. That's a good thing. So we'll keep right. that going. Yeah, well, we wrapped it up. We were we were going long with a uh, puppeteer. I don't I don't know why I'm hiding it. A puppet. He's a little bit more than that. Thank yeah, you very much. He, He's been working in Hollywood for thirty five. He's fantastic. Uh, I'm sure you'll hear it. But after we we talked to him for a while after, and he he brought up the question of why is he called barbarian. So um, light spoiler, but Clark pointed out that it the name of the street was Barbary. Barbary. Right? Barbary Street. I know. And, yeah, I remember this now. Yeah. 
Yeah, see, I went over it. Clark was like, oh, dude, that's a cool theory. You should have said it on the show. Yeah, you idiot. And you said it off mic. He, dude, how does Nick remember it if I said it off what mic? What are you talking about? No, no, no. You went into it in better detail. No, 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 no. Not that. No, I was talking about <laughs> your whole theory. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, it was a separate thing. I think you were just blazed. No, 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 no. I think you were tailgating. No, no, no. You, went, you went into children. a much deeper theory. Other than the yeah, it was very good and too good for this show. So I'm not going to spoil Barbarian. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Okay, so I wanted to talk about this. Um, Nick, where are you sitting? And just just to warn everybody here, including you, Oksana, I am going to go back to through all three movies because I think it's important to. So you don't have to touch that. I'm just warning you now. But with Halloween ends, so I, I got to ask you about Halloween Kills, Nick. What didn't you like about that one? Um. Yeah, it was weird. I don't know. You would think that a movie of Michael Myers just murdering many people would be more fun of a movie than it was. Um, <laughs> so many murders. It's like it, it seems like that's what you want out of a Halloween movie, but I feel it just like it just wasn't fun. And the whole I don't know the whole mob mentality thing just fell over the top, and it just like didn't quite work. Things seem to happen at random a lot, or character decisions happen at random. Um, and it just, like, wasn't a fun vibe, I guess. All right, well, so, I totally agree with you. I think it was pulpy enough for me to have fun. I think... I, think, I wish Eva would have died yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think David Gordon Green had a... Uh, like, they must have known from the beginning that there were going to be three, right? Or was it Halloween, the requel, that kind of kicked off two more movies? I was reading today, and apparently they had only planned on two. Okay. And then they switched it to three. So, again, with no research and just a lot of speculation, which is how we approach everything on this show, the way it felt to me was when I, when I watched um, Halloween back in 2018, I came in very hesitant with the bar low. And I believe uh, at the particular screening we went to, I was very drunk and we had a large crowd of people there and everybody was shocked that I sat and watched the movie quietly, despite um, being very rowdy leading up to it. How many times you go movies drunk? Uh, not, not very often. Well, now with first the, time with the new theater, there's a brewery like a hundred feet away. That's a little bit different. I understand, but that doesn't mean you got to be drunk every time you go to the movie. No, I'm actually almost never. I don't like to drink and go to the movie. I tend to fall asleep. Well, you should. Yeah, I fall. I'll pass out. I did not with Halloween. That's true. Yeah, I, I'll I'll just crash. That's what happened with uh, Inglorious Bastards. I fell asleep like forty minutes into that movie. Now, Randy sees a mushroom in movies. Not anymore. That's that's a real Eminem. Mm. <laughs> just once. Anyway, so with with 2018. It really just felt like uh, confusing. There was a lot of the pro okay. We should start with Halloween. The franchise is one of the most chaotic. It is the most chaotic franchise out of any of the slasher canon. And it, it are those bold words? No, it's really not. I mean, okay, we'll we'll bring up something and I'll uh, combat it. Okay, you're just gonna make up something. I don't know. <laughs> I, that's honestly, it's very, it's not controversial. There's too many timelines. Then you have Rob yeah. Zombie doing his own thing. Now we have this trilogy doing its own thing. And then on top of that, with this requel, we c it's weird because they made the choice to I look mean, to look back, but like 
not really draw the line in the sand. Jason went to hell and space. Yeah. Home science. It's not it's not that weird though when you look at it. But at least we didn't have a at least we didn't have a platinum dunes Halloween. (laughs) You know the platinum dunes. There's always that. Dude, the Friday the thirteenth, somebody actually sold me on it with um okay. No, no, this is good. Because now with Rob Zombie's Halloween and the Platinum Dunes Friday the thirteenth, they took a pro wrestler approach, which I thought the the slasher community would have been behind. Where it's kind of like, hey, everybody just likes the character, the villain. Like, who cares about the rest of the movie? Let's just highlight them. Which is kind of what uh, Adam Green did with, like, Hatchet. Right? Like, it's all about the killer. And I was complaining about that Friday the 13th remake. And somebody pointed out that there's a lot of, like, backstory in the visuals. So, like, he has an archery trophy. Which kind of, like, is a way to get around the problem with Chekhov's gun now where everybody's just so cued into it. And, like, you know, he kills somebody with a bow. And you're like, what the fuck? Why does he do that? Which is a weird reaction, because in every other movie, he's pulled out, like, a harpoon gun or a knife and been proficient with them. So I don't know. There was a lot of interesting... Or here's this, with the Platinum Dunes one. The whole movie's based on a bunch of teenagers looking for weed. Hell yeah. And the thing is, they found a map online. They're like, hey, dude, they're growing weed out here. So the only about. thing an audience can do is assume that Jason uploaded a fake weed map online. Although they did find it. So I I've know, always thought Jason should have been a stoner. <laughs> been so much it's why he doesn't talk. He's, he's extremely paranoid. Hell yeah. No, so, you know, again, even with the Halloween one, it's all about the killer. That's why you get the first half of that movie that everybody fucking hates where you have uh, God of Thunder playing with young Michael Myers being white trash. And um, it's just, it's all about the killer. Two is interesting enough for me. We're talking about kills. Halloween two? Yeah. No, not not zombie. Okay. You're about talking that. about Halloween kills. I'm talking about Halloween yeah. kills. I'm, we're only speaking in the DGG universe. Okay. I Because there's enough interesting stuff in there for me. One is the most boring. I guess you're setting up the universe. That's fine. It's kind of like, it, so here's the Also, th- I like weird stuff in movies. I like in two how we've got Lenny Clark in there, who is an unknown Boston comic legend. And that made me giggle to see him in there and him die. And then also uh, you've got the the Mad TV guy. Um, yeah, Big John, Little John. Big, I, forget his I name. like Big John, Little John. Me too. I like Big John, Little John too. Yeah, yeah but people like hate Big John, Little well, John. Well, I think that's what Nick was pointing out is that the movie feels like chaotic as fuck. Like, I, but I like, like that. Big John, Little John aren't, characters that have been like there's no traditional handling of them they're almost like a vignette in the movie where it's like hey fan film michael myers kills this dude yeah and it it just pops up but yeah so you know i've, I've been thinking a lot about this no you haven't and i think slasher movies predate marvel with like the kind of ip worship that we're seeing now from the big comic book franchise and what I mean is that there are a bunch of movies that the fans were paying attention in a way that the creators weren't. Like, now Marvel movies in DC, DC is more relevant. So what I'm saying is that as a horror fan, pre-internet, you kind of watched all these movies and were connecting dots that weren't really there. But when you got together with friends at like a convention or something, you would talk about them and just be like, oh, shit, 
Jason four to six. Like, how does that happen? And you're drawing these lines and you know, the new Marvel movies and superhero things. They just, they know that now they're aware. Well, I think, I think we should just classify everything as like Disney because, okay. you know, I would say, cause I was trying to think of like, you were thinking about it. You were talking about, um, you know, IPs and stuff. And yeah. really the only thing that predates everything is Disney. Well, I think DC is a better example because they do it poorly. <laughs> so like when you, so the, the way to get to wrap your head around the original Hall- or Halloween 2018 is to think of DC uh, and like Suicide Squad, where it's like, hey, we fucked up. We're just going to do it again. Yeah. We're just going to do it. But it's not like. And get the guy from Marvel. But it's not a clean cut, like restart. Yeah. It's just like, you know, ignore that other one. And Halloween 2018 kind of does that, where it's like, hey, I don't know if you're into the h2o timeline i don't know if you're into the rob zombie timeline i don't know if you're in the resurrection so we're just gonna be like yeah that kind of happened and Lori was involved and she's old now and she's gonna kill michael like they just kind of yada yada it yeah. so you can like plug it in however you want also you know and dc's gonna you know bad girl it yes yeah, of course so. yeah they have commitment issues too but the Word. other the other thing is they kind of get rid of all the loose ends too so you know i'm a huge fan of dr loomis and uh, whether you liked Malcolm McDowell, Donald Pleasance was fucking fantastic in that role. And I think they had a... Who doesn't like Michael McDowell? Mm, David Gordon Green? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they could have brought him back. Nah, dude. You gotta, you gotta start fresh. But you know what I mean? Like, think of the treatment of that character. Do you like Halloween, Halloween 2? Uh, you're talking about 2018 and Kills? I'm talking. No, I'm talking about... We're going back to zombie. Original? Oh, the zombie? I do because oh, zombie. they're unique. Yeah. I like, but again, I think they fall into the, I think he did the pro wrestling thing better than the other people did. Yeah. Where he just was like, who's the guy that played Michael in Rob Zombie? Wasn't he like seven foot seven? Like he was just like ridiculously tall. I don't believe the great Kali played Michael Myers. Oh, I know. But again, in, in, in pro wrestling, you lie about your height. So it was, sure. it was more about like, this dude's going to tower over Ken Forhey and fucking kill him in a bathroom stall. Like, that's why you're going to see that fucking movie. Dude, Yao Ming would be an awesome Michael. Okay. Let's sign up. Now, before I stop talking, (laughs) where I'm going with this is 2018 is a utility film that is kind of checking the pulse of people. Do they want slasher revitalization? We're living in the world of Marvel. Maybe we can, you know, revive an IP here. And it, it took on. And it did incredible. So much so that Scream made it a plot device, right? Requels. They kind of, like, named it. Yeah. And it's perfect. They nailed it. Scream, uh, they're a good touchstone for, like, uh, horror culture. Now, when we come back with Kills, the way that I've learned to wrap my head around Kills, Nick, is think of Kills like, um, like Mother. Air of Nine. Yeah. Like, okay. think of it like that movie. Like, that... Like, I don't know how you would contextualize what happens in Mother, but it's kind of like a spiral out of control. And it's complete chaos, and they kind of throw, like, storytelling rules out the window for, like, a visual, like, just manic nature. And then we move... Mother is about, you know, mankind raping (laughs) and destroying the Earth. Or a divorce, if you want to be boring. And that. Um... But then we move into ends. And kills is about killing firefighters? No, but I, okay. So if, if I can just, uh, I'll just speak plainly because I realize I'm taking a while here. Oh, really? I think <laughs> the first one, 
So in in a nutshell, the three movies are the man, the myth, and the legend. I think the first one, Michael is a human dude who breaks out of an insane asylum. Lori has been waiting at her house because her life has completely changed uh, because she's, you know, waiting through trauma now. She's turned her house into a cage and she has become the villain. And they do this literally with in-camera, like, kind of tropes. Like, um, she's the one thrown off the balcony. And then when Michael goes to look, she's gone. Like, she's clearly the one hunting him. And I think at the end of that movie, she effectively kills him. So then I think in Halloween Kills, another one of the complaints is that Lori is not in the movie. She's, she's in this subplot where she's, get her to the hospital. And the whole time, she's just screaming bloody murder. Yeah. And nobody listens to her. Yet, I think she effectively turns the town into a manic fervor where they start hunting Michael. And in the beginning, you know, when the, when the firefighters die, this is where, where I'm at. I think you could make an argument that maybe that he's not in this movie either. And it's just a legend. Like, people are battling his myth now, right? The ghost. Oh, and don't that, come in here with your no, oh, no I like to do this. bullshit. I'm going postmodernism on this. Oh, God. And here's the thing. I think that movie's all about, like, uh, you know, after the towers go down, the, the panic that happens. And people are just, like, on high alert. But, like, the chaos causes more people to die. I think yeah. that's why there's that on-the-nose really stupid shit, like, hey, everybody get a gun. And they're just, like, handing out guns. You, yeah. I, again, on my favorite podcast, who I Freudian slip into everything, Scary Thoughts, Chad brought up a great point. He's pro-gun, clearly. And he said any gun owner, any gun owner with half a brain, would know this would be the worst fucking thing to do. Hand out a bunch of guns to people who have never even held one. Yeah. He's like, dude, they'd be killing each other. Yeah. And I think he's right. And I think, you know, uh, clearly, um, Jamie Lee's not a gun fan either. So I think she'd be down with the movie that's kind of implying that a bunch of dudes who are looking for a killer are running around town with no idea how to use a gun. I, I had heard she had pitched to David Gordon Green to switch all the guns for swords. <laughs> also, so, are you happy with the way I pronounce swords? No. no. <laughs> she, did, she did stand up and make sure that no um, fully automatic weapons were used in the film. So the character of Lori uh, only uses... Yeah, yeah, but that's cooler. I, shotguns I are cool. Again, um... I had no idea, but Chad went on a, he gave her praise for it. So I'm, I'm going to double down on that with him. But I think that's what that movie is. And I think that's why it's a complete fucking shit show of mobs of people running through a hospital going, like, where is he? Or like, you know, they find him and they can't kill him. And I'm like, well, you can't. I, I think it's just like fear being played out. It was Anthony Michael Hall. Okay. It's weird <laughs> science. So <laughs> then we transition into ends, right? And we open up with one of the best bait and switch kills ever, where yeah. a character who's terrified that Michael might be in the house, you know, turns panic into murder as he kicks open a door and sends the little kid flying down the vertigo staircase <laughs> to his death. I mean, honestly, I understand someone falling off of the film. But to open up the film that way? Oh, dude, it was gnarly. How could that not be effective? Yeah. No, it, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's so good. Right. So then if you stay with that idea, now there's like the F. Also, my, one of my favorite things about Halloween Ends is the opening. The four pumpkins like rotting and being oh, reborn. Yeah. What a great way to show a passage of time. 
Because in every other movie, we have a pumpkin that's, you know, Halloween. Well, he's he's added his own spin in every one, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I yeah. But I and think... And it's thoughtful. As it's that's great. what I'm saying is that kind of thought, I think, runs through all of the films. Yeah, I so agree. the four pumpkins yeah. birthing, I, and that's why I would double down on this. I, I mean, I'm, I know I'm out there on this. But I do think Halloween, again, as you pointed out, a lot of people were comparing it just to it, period. Because they're like, oh, he's in the sewer, like Pennywise. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's the same story. Like, it's a trauma of a town, like Derry. They're haunted every 10 years by this entity living in the sewer. And I think it's a little on the nose, but it's kind of a filmic reference. Like, oh, it's kind of like it. But again, in Halloween Ends, I don't think Michael's there. And it's really about a, it's kind of like incel culture in lockdown. Where it's like, hey, you're a fucking incel. And you keep telling your boy in the Why basement. Why does everything that. go back to incel? Well, no, because I think it's also relevant because, again, these films always try to, like, address the time. Sure. So with lockdown and riots, like, Halloween Kills couldn't have been more on the nose with that. And, you know, you're looking for a villain, but all you're kind of doing is, like, rampaging through your own home. And uh, in Halloween Ends, you know, they turn that guy into a into the scarecrow. I don't know what his name would have been. But I, you know, it was pretty clear to me when he was out in that uh, beautiful, like, outdoor area. Well, that's a DC property. Hmm, this does kind of feel like a DC property. It's not, it's not very clear. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, what are we doing? Who, is, who, that, is that all? Who's Batman now? And I, and I think, like, slasher fans have never had to deal with this before because there's a lot of subtext. And I mean, you know, weird shit like we're going to pin Michael to a butcher block with butcher knives and then we're going to slit his wrist. Like to me, that just read like this only ends when Laurie kills herself, which I realize is a dark look at that. But that like sex in the city writing the story shit was it has to be that. And also, you say slit his wrist. I mean, they went down the street and across. Dude, it was like the most is that exact. They were playing Frogger. Is that what they did to your director, Randy? He had assisted suicide, right? Oh, yeah. They held him down and split his wrist. I think so, yeah. What, what the hell is his name? Why am I blanking on it? Godard. There Godard. Thank how, you. how was it? Was it was it pills? Was it uh, pillow? I think they have, like, medical assisted suicide over there. Yeah, they, they held do? him down and slit his wrist. Yeah, so probably like, some sort of, like, a, a, a medicinal, uh, like, a injection or something, or a pill. I'm guessing. What if, mm, I don't know, what if you could do like the paperwork and you can go out however you want to? As long as no one's viable, you know, viable or anything. Yeah, like, hey, there. I want to jump off this bridge. He's like Midsomar Cliff. Yeah. That's what he wrote. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Which again, or, or he just wrote Tony Scott. Well, if Just so, uh, just a reminder for all the lovely fans. Randy was like, I'm into that idea. Right, Randy? Do you still feel the same walking off the Midsomar Cliff? Uh, I don't know if I was so much into the idea of the cliff, but the idea of calling it before, like, you're in a situation where you're, like, unable to function properly, you know? Nah. I <laughs> I think my interest in Ari Aster's trajectory as a filmmaker plummeted off that cliff the day I watched Midsommar. Boom! Nick, All what right. do you think about Midsommar? I actually like Midsommar. Why? Sell me. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I actually thought it was like really, 
I think I thought it was funny and I thought it was super fun. Yeah. Okay, funny. All I don't right. think a lot of people say about Midsommar, but I found myself laughing at it throughout uh, every time something bad happens to the boyfriend. To the boyfriend? In the what about the bear? Were you having a were you having a hoot when he was burning up as the bear? Yeah. Doing pretty good. <laughs> the boyfriend was a straw man argument. He there was nothing likable about that character. Also, I mean, I think the I think a lot of people did think the movie was fun. That's why it's like permeated Halloween. Can I tell you I couldn't get over I couldn't get over the Rube Goldberg fucking suffocation machine. Eh. It was it was cool. That was too fucking cute for me. It felt kind of like a uh, Dexter tableau or something. It was like. too cute. Also, I do realize that you know wh- where did they where is it? Denmark? Where were they? Holland? Finland? I have no idea. I don't know. But I, here's a, yeah. Where were they? Randy looked at up. Sweden. Sweden. Yeah. Thank you so much. So they were driving uh, Renaults, and as a Formula One fan. And Renault's no longer in the game. They're now Alpine. Doesn't matter. But fuck Renault. That's the second reason why I hate Okay, cool. <laughs> that ends our Midsomar talk. No, okay. <laughs> so, Nick, do, do it, does my um, strange theory align with yours at all? Or do you have a weird love for watching a town put a man in a wood chipper? Oh, I loved seeing them put him in, in the wood chipper. I thought <laughs> it was like, it should have ended with that scene, and then we got Lori's little voiceover stuff that felt really corny and goofy. But, so the yeah. end of the end of ends has become kind of like this weird. You've got to watch it because it's so bad it's good moment, and I just I, normally I can understand where people are coming from there, even though I don't agree with the sentiment. But I don't get it here. Like it, I don't know. It didn't feel yeah. Yeah, jump in there. I don't get why everyone's so angry at this movie. I like. I kind of almost see it. Like they got. I mean, like you said earlier, they got bait and switched with uh, Corey Cunningham. But yeah. But that storyline worked really well. So like, it's. I don't know. Did everyone want like two hours of Laurie and Michael just like fighting? I. Yeah. That what they were expecting? Like. Like. Yeah. Because because so, that's the thing. It's like it's a little bit contradictory of what they want. Because in in two we well we get no Laurie in two, and now you know we get no Michael in three, and then the, you know it's flip flopping of what they want, and so the balance of those two. This was a good story, and also you know the, the film is carried on the acting of the two leads. Uh, those two kids were great. Yeah, and I honestly I I had a blast with it. All right. Well, I, you know, I laid my theory out there. So anybody listening, feel free to DM me if you haven't already about this and I'll, I'll get into it. But for, um, just to make this interesting, I will totally take on the stance of somebody who hates this film as I've read a lot of it. And I think it's really service level, um, slasher, like worship. Like one, if you come into a movie, like all the shit I was saying about Rob Zombie and Platinum Dunes and Hatchet is like, you're, it's really a countdown. When do we get that first kill? Which, you know, the babysitter kill in the beginning, that being a bait and switch, like, we're a bunch of people. I think we watched a lot of movies, probably more than, like, average people. So to us, it was jarring. It was like, holy shit, I did not expect that 
in any universe to happen. Yeah, I was kind of like dreading watching this movie, and I got put it on at like 1 a.m. at my parents' house, and I was like, oh, I bet I'm gonna hate this. Uh, and then that first scene happens, and I'm like, oh wait, this is interesting, and then like a half hour in, I'm like, oh wait, this movie's actually really good. Yep. Yeah, and it's um, surprising. Well, you know, evil takes all shapes, and uh, in this film, it took the shape of a town, like chasing a ghost into the sewer. It's actually kind of reverse dairy because they're living in denial. But in this one, they're looking for him. They're tired. It's like Gotham's turned on Batman and they're looking to, to they want to pin him to a butcher block. Yeah. But yeah. So I, I would say um, a lot of people who went in there looking for, again, it's their fault too, because that fucking poster with Laurie and Michael, like back to back, that straight up looked like an Avengers poster. It looked like a good, uh, like, Millie Vanilli spinoff. Oh. I'd be down for <laughs> No, but, I, like, a lot of what I've heard is just that Michael's not there. When he shows up, he's pathetic. And there is a really big leap from, hey, it's me, Michael Myers, and you're all killing me, but I'm not dying, to now I'm cowering in the sewer. Uh, you're treating me like I'm human, but I'm clearly not eating. I'm wearing the same clothes. They don't look that bad. Because I also think that was because people gave Rob Zombie shit for two when he looked like a like a homeless Michael Myers. Or in this one, we literally get one and he doesn't look oh, he looks okay. Do you think we that we could occupy a space where if they were to reboot reboot the Halloween franchise, I don't know, another five years or so, that where it could service the horror community? where they would agree on it? Or do we think that Michael Myers is like the sacred cow that is going to split the... Oh, dude. Um, so our, our homie Terrell last night recorded a live stream on YouTube with uh, Bob. And uh, I think it's Bob's Blu-rays. And, Just Bob. And B.O.B.? Uh, <laughs> B.O.B. And I heard four dudes run through their full ranking of every Halloween franchise film. I don't think it's that precious to people. <laughs> I think a lot of the original is nostalgia based yeah. and respect because Dean Coon, which and John I, Carpenter, I think Russell, that's all it takes sometimes Yeah, to where there's just, like, you know, they're just going to shit. Yeah. And I, you know, as a found footage fan, I hear a lot of that for paranormal activity where the first one has a problem that it gets really dated after you get deep into the franchise. Yeah. But people still put that like number one or two. I don't because I have taste. <laughs> yeah. It's much lower on mine, but no, I think there will always be a moment. But honestly, I think if they made a Halloween uh, restarts and it's part four, I, it wouldn't even miss a beat. I don't know. I just think that the the horror community essentially are they're the mob in Halloween Kills. Yeah, in this case, which is we, which is weird too. And with that, we end the show. Oh my god! <laughs> no, okay, well. Nicholas, look, we're here, like, spouting You did off. it again. And uh, <laughs> I know I did. All right, Nick. All right, we're casual now, Nick. Look, what me and Clark, and we talk about films so much, yet we've never really yeah. actually done anything in the film community. Other than, Say what you want, dude. Yeah. But as, as a filmmaker. Uh, we are in a feature film. Thank you oh, very much. much. Yeah, the Barbados boys. That's dude. right. Yeah, the Barbados. Pro yeah, have you seen our movie, Nick? What That's right, Nick. I have, I have not. Oh, wow, dude! It's our podcast movie, dude. <laughs> the Overlook Hours debut in feature dude, film. It's 
Yeah, we don't have to get into it's that. It's the worst thing you've ever seen. No, but <laughs> all right. So it's our fault. Nick, it sounds like you appreciated how different this film was than like 2018 or even Kills. Yeah, they. Uh, I was very happy that they did something that David Gordon Green was like, let's switch it up and do something different and not give everyone what they want, which obviously he knew was going to piss a bunch of people off, but he did it anyways with those movie he wants to make. So I, it's there's a lot of respect there. Yeah. Um, and I think he pulled it off. Uh, like if Corey Cunningham didn't work, then it's obviously yeah. a different story. Uh, so how do you yeah. feel about Michael in the movie? Uh, I mean, I really, if he wasn't so like fucked up when you first see him, then you wouldn't get that like great moment when he becomes stronger after he kills the cop later, which I thought was like a really, I, I don't know. I thought it was a, it was fun when you see him like start coming back once he started stabbing people. Now, if you take everything at like face value though, it I don't know how you round the edges of like in one, he's trapped in a burning building. Uh, the fire doesn't hurt him. He gets out, murders through a whole town while being beaten up. Like people got their, <laughs> they got their licks in. I mean, his eye comes out at the end of that one. Right. Yeah. And then we jump over into ends and it's kind of like, Oh yeah, I'm weak, but it's been like four years. He doesn't have a wardrobe change apparently, and then he kind of fresh. Yeah, I don't know how. Like, unless you're really looking at like a deep visual subtext thing going on here, I don't even know how that fucking makes sense. That's the other thing. He's he's been away for a while, but remember, he's been a mask guy this whole thing. He would have thrived in COVID. <laughs> Right, been great. I've I've seen videos that's, of people walking around in his mask. That's a oh they DDG missed up on that. He should have done you know mask Myers. Dude. Okay, <laughs> we'll do part four Halloween lockdown. Yeah, <laughs> I think we got something there. Um, it definitely it definitely makes zero sense, but I kind of didn't care, and I kind of think you actually could go from the first twenty eighteen to this one a little bit more smoother if you just yeah. like pretended that kills doesn't exist yeah for sure <laughs> well also okay let, well let's talk about Lori here because you know it takes two to tango her character gets a weird progression too because we we meet her and she's baking a uh pie which is now tradition starting i guess four years ago and she's moved out of the house and has a regular life yeah and i'm like that clearly like a lot of people kept saying this is bad storytelling. Like, this is dumb character development. doesn't make sense. And to me, I was like, no, it totally does. Because she's not better. Like, it's just, it's the other side of the crazy coin. She went from being a maniac yeah. who's got an arsenal in her garage and a hidden door under the island in her kitchen, which isn't a safe room. It's a trap. And it's rigged to, to catch on fire to a lady who's now um, cosplaying as a regular grandma. <laughs> right even though her her daughter died yeah and she only shows up in a picture which a lot of people complained about but i'm like eh, she's burying this what, what is it what do you mean they complained about it's just like well they didn't even really address it she didn't even care you move on dude. i don't know it's the way that i watch movies i'm kind of you know they give me the puzzle pieces and i put them together and i think a lot of people just take it i don't know I can't what else was she gonna do in those like there's like four years between the movies though. it's like what else was she gonna do 
Yeah. She's going to move on. Yeah. Hey, she's got a picture of her. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, she's also putting up Halloween decorations, though. Like, you've really come to terms with it when you're like, like the holiday was the day of murder for you. And then it actually happened again. Yeah. And then four years later, you're like, ah, time to bake a pie. And yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Again, again, they're the angry mob. It doesn't matter. Oh, no. But I'm saying, like, if you were to defend the film without adding a, like, subtext or something more to it, like, how do you defend that? No, I, th- I think it is. She's just broken. But I, again, Nick, you're right, man. The whole writing in the diary thing. What's going on there? <laughs> uh, I mean, this gets to the thing where I think this movie like is, I get when people say it's sloppy. Because if you look at the other two movies, like it doesn't make sense. But I feel like if you just look at it on its own, then it feels like a better movie. And you wouldn't start poking all these holes in it. Because that's just one movie. It does work. Uh, but also, yeah, with that like lifetime movie voiceover, I'm writing my memoir thing was uh, a little painful. <laughs> yeah, but I it kind of came it kind of came around, right? I feel like it served a purpose. I do. Yeah, no, it definitely yeah. served a purpose. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, if you're going to use narration, there better be some sort of payoff. Like, you know. Cause it's it's fucking like kindergarten shit. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm just saying, don't fucking hold my hand. Okay, I get. I, let me let me freely move about the cabin. Yeah, the like neo noir vo or like uh, voice of God is very like. Let me expose. Like uh, I'll uh, give you the exposition right up front now. And yeah, totally. Yeah, I, honestly, I read that as a um. I'm gonna die now. Like, I'm writing my book so I can shoot myself for real. Nick, how much do you hate writing exposition? Uh, it's a necessary evil. <laughs> Is it? I, Harmony Corrine doesn't seem to think so. Uh, <laughs> if you, I just try to make it funny or enjoyable yeah. while your characters are just spitting that shit out. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. There's something... I mean, you can do the voiceover writing thing in a way that I feel like is more intriguing. I mean, like, look at uh, First Reform, where it's like it doesn't feel goofy at all in that movie. But for some reason in this movie, it felt really goofy and like, yeah, uh, holding your hand. Yeah, and I think I think it was directed that way. Um, and especially... I don't know. I just think it was easier to to go that route just because that's just where Jamie Lee was coming from. And I think and everything just kind of made sense to me because she's coming in from that highly emotional side anyway. Like she's trying to be cheery in the film, right? And it's just like, "Lady, you're you're on shaky stilts here." And it's all going to come crumbling down. So, I don't know. It all just kind of worked for me. Mm. She's had a rough go, <laughs> you know, the past past few, you know, her entire life. I saw that uh, people seemed angry about the romance between uh, Corey and the granddaughter. What did what were you guys thoughts? That was insane. That was hard the whole movie. <laughs> what are they talking about? That was great. <laughs> well, I think I think it really 
hinges on the audience rooting for Corey. And yeah. I had no problem doing it because I sympathized with the character who was going to become the sacrificial lamb. Like you could tell right off the bat, like, oh, what, what do you call him? Like the baby kid killer, the babysitter. I don't know. But that even flipping that story, well, I thought it was perfect. Yeah. So I was rooting. And then you you see the unfortunate uh, uniform he has to work in as a mechanic. And you're like, oh, dude, you're doomed. <laughs> yeah. You were born under the wrong stars or something because it's like in your DNA at this point. But I also like as how sloppy as, he yeah. was. Yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there. Uh, Go ahead. As soon as that scene started when he like was working as a mechanic, my wife immediately was like, oh, he's the next Michael Myers. Or whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you called it immediately, yeah. And also, can we talk about how great his stepdad was? Oh, yeah. One of my favorite <laughs> characters in the movie. When he died, I got very sad. He was great. You know, I again, I, I don't believe in the, the phantom of uh, toxic masculinity. I think they're just shitty dudes. And But if I was You gonna, say that as a lifelong Arnold fan. Well, here's the thing. I think if you're going to be a toxic male, that's how you do it. Where if you're like a dude and you look at another guy and you can see they're like kind of like an emotional duress and you're just like, keep your head up, man. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like, I got you a motorcycle. Yeah. Like, that's like, dude, you're not helping me. And the thing is, like, I like that his dad, too. Yeah. But man, did I fucking hate his mom. Ugh. Oh, my God. The problem is, I feel like I know yeah. that lady. <laughs> well, you know, I think, I don't know. Did you get a little, they trying to push that whole Norman Bates thing? You know, the overbearing mother. Oh, I didn't get that. You know, I, I just feel like that's a yeah, trope yeah, anytime. Yeah. Um, so I just feel like that was a little bit of that. I just remember, I, I'm one of the only people I know that when I was counseling younger children, again, in context, it makes sense. But I used to work, we worked with a lot of young kids, and they would always feel kind of um, a lack of freedom in their parents' house. And the first thing I would ask them, like, are you paying rent? They'd say, no. no, of course not. And I'm like, well, here's what happens. You don't want to take out the garbage. Or you get mad when they tell you to do dishes. Make a deal with them. Just give them some money. This is called life now. Yep. <laughs> this well, is what you have to do all the time. But I do remember myself feeling choked <laughs> when I wasn't working. And I was like, kind of my whole life was beholden to somebody else, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought what they were doing was like, the, one of the bleakest reveals in Halloween Ends for me was when I found out he lived at work. That mm. crushed me for some reason. And his dad was his boss. It's like there's this marriage of like work-life balance is nothing. And he's not really respected in either situation. And I was just like, damn, dude. So like it kind of made me look back on him trying to take a babysitting job. And it's like, dude, that's probably like a good night for him. Yeah. Hang out at a rich people's house and like watch some kid who's kind of boring with a horror movie and, you know. Try not to kill him. <laughs> that reveal that his boss was his dad was, I thought, worked so well. Good. At first, I, you yeah. just think that he's his boss, and then all of a sudden, he's at dinner, and it's the same dude. You're like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> and, and then, like, how he talked to him, like, about the motorcycle thing, it all made sense. And, like, you knew exactly who that guy was, and you liked that guy. And so, yeah, it worked for, like, that's the thing, man. 
David Gordon Green knows what the fuck he's doing. Oh, okay. And so that's, yeah. I, it, now, I've defended this movie on a technical standpoint. Like, I thought it was really well Except made. for Your Highness. I don't know what happened. Actually, I got to, you know, I, Oksana, make a note. We got to buy Your Highness. I, I. Uh, something no one has ever <laughs> said. I actively, like, rallied against that movie when it came out because yeah. I was like, do not make my favorite genre of fantasy <laughs> film some, like, Cheech and Chong bullshit. <laughs> And then I watched it, of course, the dude who was running our D&D games at the time, second edition, way back in, he uh, was a, a pothead. And he was like, we got to watch it. They, he did some clever shit in that movie. Yeah. They hire a, like, my favorite, I probably even mentioned on here before, my favorite gag in the film, because the heroes are all losers, right? You've seen the cast. And they, <laughs> they hire a barbarian, which is just like a European bodybuilder. And they're like, fuck yeah, now we're going to beat this dungeon. And they walk in. They're like, dude, you lead. And he triggers a trap and dies immediately. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. I just love it. Again, tangent. But I thought Halloween Ends, on reflection, is actually not kind of poorly edited. And I think one of the, one of the reasons. How so? Oh, uh, the best defense of what I just said, which made everybody gasp. I know. <laughs> Made breath. Was uh, if you look up the hashtag evil rides tonight. <laughs> have you done this, Nick? No. Look it up. Just g- give it a is good. It, well, is it? I can see the thing again. Is it Michael Myers on the back of the motorcycle? Yeah. And do you, <laughs> <laughs> do you know why that happened? I mean, I was going to say it's they he clearly rode on the back of the motorcycle to go kill the doctor. <laughs> no. OK. See, that's a different argument. I think it's actually like bad editing and it's probably because it's, it's such a big money maker that I think production, you know, now, um, Terrell went to a pre-night screening and he sat next to a dude who said this was the third time I forget what, who he was working with out here, but the third time he was seeing a press screening of it. And at the end of it, he's like, dude, it's the third different ending I've seen now. And he said well, one of the earlier ones, they actually did the Jason goes to hell thing where, which pissed, which again, pissed off everybody who wanted to see Jason die because they wanted him to go out in a blaze of glory. Yeah. And then you have the cover with the mask and there's flames everywhere. And then you get a movie where, you know, a, uh, what would later become a trope of terrible studio, low budget studio horror movies, just some pretty blonde girl going, Oh, come get me, which was like on the nose for slasher films, which they have never done. And then have you ever seen it? No. Okay, so there's a girl in a bikini who's like, oh, I'm in a cabin in the woods. And I'm then, listening. And then she's like, I hope I don't get killed. And it's very on the nose. Like, this is like, it feels fourth wall breaking. Yeah. And then Jason shows up and she, guess what? She's like CIA and she fights him and runs away and she leads him out into this clearing and a bunch of dudes show up and shoot him with guns. What was the name of the movie Inside Spider One's movie? Oh, bunny, baby That's what killer, the, the, or you describing that made me think of that. That's, I think it is a commentary. Wait, the the opening of that movie is, I think, actually amazing though, because they <laughs> explode Jason. They do, and then all the FBI guys high five each other. <laughs> <laughs> now, Nick, here's the thing: when I watched it, I again, no internet. This is the only thing I got going for me in my life: is these horror movies. And you watch it and you're like, oh, I've been working through way after the fact of its release. 
And I'm just like, I can't, how's he die? And then he shows up. <laughs> that happens. The FBI high fives. And then they do this soul transference shit. And the whole movie is people being possessed by the soul of Jason Voorhees and then killing people and then dying. And then it moves on. And it's like, dude, you just changed everything. And this is supposed to yeah. be the big goodbye. And uh, the dude, again, I'm two degrees removed from whoever this reviewer was, but I believe Terrell because I love him. And he said that the dude was like, dude, they, one of the endings was like that, where he died and then his soul went, went out. So I Yikes. do think there was a lot of like editing after the fact. What what so what is he is he doing what is he uh Francis Ford Coppola now? Who? Doing his little little uh Twixt endings. Oh, you didn't like uh Twixt. Twixt stunk. Did you see it, Nick? Did not see it. I think Randy did, right? Maybe, yeah. Dude, there's <laughs> a <right>. lot of <laughs> Maybe. there's a nod to American literature. There's uh you like Twix? Very Ernest Hemingway. We got a, an alcoholic Don't you come author. Talking about Ernest Hemingway <laughs> over here. <then. laughs> Stay no, in I, your lane. You know the thing is, it's not a it's a clunky film, but I think there is an argument to be made that clunky uh, is generous. Oh, yeah, you did watch it. Yeah, I thought you just knew what it was and were making fun of it. Although now you want to make Francis Ford Coppola enemy number one on this show. No. Oh, why? Because he protects pedophiles. That's oh, funny. here we go. Nah. It's, I'm just saying, if you're going to come for all these other directors, again, come, I could have used a better word. Thank you so much. <laughs> if you're going to if you're gonna try and stab them to a butcher block and slit their wrist, just, you know, go all the way. Follow the trail of money. Because Coppola's in there, man. So I didn't hate the butcher block scene. It was, uh, you know. It was weird. That's, he was, not, that's not how you... If, <laughs> he was out of energy. Okay. It was time. Like when you were watching it, at any point in your head were you like, what are they doing? It was a little weird. Uh, I, I was expecting something else, but then I was kind of fine with it. I don't know. I feel like them throwing them in the grinder really really uh, saved it. What did you think about them parading him through the town? Um, I found it kind of funny, I think. It was over the top and kind of silly. And then, but like I said, it was really, it was really that grinder shot where like you really see that fake body just like, <laughs> crumple into a bunch of blood <laughs> oh yeah that's what i see whenever i go on grinder i just remember the skull <laughs> like popping yeah. oh dude it was fantastic yeah. but i also wouldn't hate if that became like a halloween like the actual holiday tradition of like driving around with like slashers on the hood of your car <laughs> well here's the thing i think we're so dis halloween parade exactly oh hell yeah. but we're so disconnected that like any kind of community thing feels weird like, if everybody got went out in the court that we live in and were doing a thing, I feel like I would look out the window and be like, what the fuck are these cultists doing? Yeah. When I think that movie was just trying to say, like, the town can move on now. Because it's, like, it could have, that could have been representing even, like, a tweet where well, also, everybody's reading it. Yeah, and you had to have the sheriff deliver that line. Oh, dude. That was the thing. So that, that sold yeah. the whole thing for me. If I have one complaint, it's that he wasn't in these movies more. He was great. Uh, he felt a I little agree. Rob Zombie, though. He felt like a larger-than-life fucking manager of a pro wrestler who would come out and talk shit and then take a chair to the head. Yeah, but that's all. That's pretty much what Kills was. <laughs> I, 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 fair. Yeah, and I think that's why I loved Kills. Yeah, I just think Kills is misunderstood, 
and this is as well. But I, kills is important in understanding ends, I think. Because the mayhem of kills is a night, like, again, I, I love the comparison to 9-11, because it will be there forever. And then it's just kind of like, can people move on? Okay, so I, I see that. So here's my question. What's Building 7? <laughs> well, I mean, a building did go down. And guess what? It was an inside job. She planned that. <laughs> also, the uh, I like the radio host. Oh, yeah. I yeah. heard he. Had, I heard he had more. Oh, really? They shot more was, with that him. Was another thing cut. Well, they, they, they. Yeah, we kind of forgot about well, it. Okay, so I, I brought up the editing problem because that meme of Evil Rides Tonight with Michael on the back. I thought legitimately in the theater that they were. Um, the editing led me to believe that Michael was about to be on the back of that motorcycle. Because I believe we cut from Corey hanging out with him in the sewer. Yeah. And this was after he had been, uh, I don't know if he had beat up the bullies that threw him off an overpass, which I don't know how we haven't talked about those. Beat on the brat with a baseball bat? Yeah. What is that? It was either that or, it was either that or, uh, it might have been right after they killed the cop, I think, too, actually. Yeah, but it was him and Michael hanging out, and then it cuts, and then... We have him um, come into frame from the left, right? Because he's, he's driving on his motorcycle. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I was like, is Michael going to be behind him? Because they're, they're going around town killing people. Oh, so wasn't it a dirt bike? Uh, probably. Let's call it I don't know. Bike. Any, again, I right. was not a Dave Mira fan. Pretty small. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, Dave Mira's BMX, <laughs> so watch your mouth. This is why I think the editing was actually brilliant, is because... He goes from them hanging out with Michael Myers, and then they're like, yeah, you're right. He comes in left, and it goes from, like, a close-up of his hand to his face, and then it starts to pan over to the back, and you're like, oh, my God, is Michael Myers going to be on the back of his bike? <laughs> and then it's uh, the girlfriend, and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes way more sense. But I feel like he knew you were going to think that and, like, okay. played it at, like, I think he did it on purpose to fuck with well, you. Okay. Um, to... Bring it back to Scream 5 and how on the, on the fucking nose they are. They always have the pulse of the culture. I guess you could make an argument that, again, uh, Clark already ruined Scream 5. You spoiled that when we had uh, Adam on, Philwell. Oh, because I said, do we die? <laughs> well, here at the end, one of my favorite lines ever in the Scream was uh, when they're asking one of the ghost face, why did you do it? And she said, I don't know. I was radicalized by the forums. <laughs> that was my fuck man i love it so much and i feel like there's an argument you can make about him co-opting the girl uh laurie's granddaughter yeah because she's kind of got like wanderlust and has been living her life trying to keep her grandma like sane yeah and clearly it hasn't happened still but she's pretending really well so her she's just like i want to fucking leave like let's get out of here I well she it. also wants to Fuck, dude. She, dude, she was very aggressive. <laughs> she was DTF. Yeah. <laughs> she was ready to roll. So, Randy, <laughs> how would you act if there was some girl coming on to you like that? Probably about the same. <laughs> <laughs> Go on a murderous rampage. You'd be... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> okay, so another problem people had was during their romance, we get to that uh, Halloween party. And, you know, there's a long dance scene where they're hanging out. And then we find the mother, the mother of the uh, deceased boy, yeah, who is wearing the same costume from that year, and uh, goes into a, you know, 
I, I'm just going to say a violent tirade against this boy trying to rain guilt down. And people are confused. Like, what, she never changed her clothes? And I'm like, I don't know, man. I read that as it's part of her ritual. Like, you know, she's revisiting this trauma every year. So she puts on her costume and tries to find him. And it's like, I'm going to ruin your fucking night. Yeah. Like, that's, I like, I really think she hung out there to do that. But I don't. Well, you know, when mamas lose their babies, I, yeah, Lord fair. knows. Yeah. I don't, was that weird to you when it no. popped up? No. I no. didn't even realize she was wearing the same costume. I didn't even notice that. I didn't either. The, well, the movie's got a lot of visual candy. Ooh. So it's just, there's a lot to look at. Again, I keep thinking about that one shot where uh, Corey's coming out from the sewer and uh, it's like a low camera angle and it's looking up and you catch half of the underpass and like the sun is on the right side. I, perfect. I loved it. Again, it felt like Florida Project to me. I'm like, oh my God, it's an urban fantasy now. Yeah. Except it's it's a dark one because this guy's going to go kill people. And okay, to get back to the editing too, the radio tower is like featured later on in the movie on fire. But I don't think they ever, it doesn't come up in the film like that it burned down even, right? They got bigger fish to fry <laughs> than a radio what, tower. What happened that they cut out? Like, it's prominent. Like, oh, yeah. You it is interesting because Corey, Corey just like straight walks out after he cuts his tongue off. But apparently he also set the radio station on fire. Dude, how cool is that tongue? Kind of fun. <laughs> that was good. It was really good. Are, are Nick, are you a Joe Bob guy? Uh, a little bit. I, I wouldn't <laughs> like to say I'm a diehard Joe Bob. I did see his live Redneck show. How was it? Uh, it was it was actually really interesting. It felt like a college. It felt like a college course, weirdly, but also like the crowd. I felt a little, a little weird in the crowd because it was. Uh, oh yeah. All right. Let's talk in. Okay. I feel like there's this is poignant because there is clearly a rift with again. I'm talking about Joe Bob Briggs. Uh, who, I'm glad we retired the segment where you talked about whatever he was presenting every week. I got to watch the Halloween special. But here's the thing. I love Joe Bob, uh, partially because of nostalgia, but I also like what he's doing. Writing is, books about satellites? Oh, he, dude, he would be a very interesting dude to talk to. Sure. And, but I also, I like. We that, heard him talk. I like the history lesson shit he does Yeah, before a movie and kind of tying it into broader culture. But there is clearly a division of um, film fans and horror fans who just do not fuck with him. And they don't like the kind of like treehouse he's created for people to get together and watch a thing. And it's that horror elite shit. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like, Nick, you, you feel a little bit of that, too. You're like a well, I, Joe Bob fan. No, I do. <laughs> I do like what he does. Uh and I do like when he like gets all film professory and he's like teaching you history behind a movie that you haven't heard before, and you're like, "Oh, this is interesting." Yeah, he's doing a service. And again, these dumb fuck horror fans <laughs> just want to shit on everything. And I get what they're saying. Now, also to the effect of of Nick saying that you know he he went and saw Joe Bob, we also went and saw Joe Bob um, at a horror convention, and we sat in a room with I don't know 150 other people. Oh, yeah, all. Hideously <laughs> ugly. I mean, why do you keep saying? Because that? it was a village of rats we were in. 
These people hadn't seen sunlight in weeks. Some, they look like snot in a jar, some of these people. I don't know, single-celled organisms just crawled their way snot into this in, room. Not in a jar. It's not in a jar. They, that is just, I, I felt great. <laughs> My favorite thin livies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I don't know. I, people don't there were like, like nine people in wheelchairs. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> whatever, whatever you want to say. That is true. Yet, yet you were a huge fan of Darcy's cameo in the movie. Oh no, it was fun. You know, it's Darcy. <laughs> what are you gonna do? I feel like they probably cut a lot of her out. Well, no, no. Well, here's the thing: they give her a five and under. All right, because then you're running into union things, right, Nick? You you give you give Darcy the five and under, and then you're good. You move about the day. You don't want to keep her fresh. I did wonder. I did wonder if they did film like him murdering her. Uh, <laughs> I think it just cuts. I think it just cuts to him and killing the DJ. But yeah, I was a little surprised that it didn't show you him uh, doing that. But did anyone think of uh, when he cuts the tongue off? It made me think of that shot from uh, Cobra where he cuts the pizza with the scissors. You guys know what I'm saying? Oh, now, hold on. I have to admit that I've never seen Cobra before. Yeah been a very very long time because i would watch sylvester stallone movies as a child now that's all i was raised cobra i've i've heard i've had it pitched to me as it's a slasher is that fair uh i wouldn't call it a slasher it feels more like a stallone's commando yeah and have you ever read uh man there was a popular article about terminator the original being a like slasher film again the postmodernism approach to things but like it's a dude who shows up and is unstoppable and screams and that one i definitely see yeah okay so what's cobra more like it's more like a Stallone's just a badass fucking killing people <laughs> that's all you need killing criminals uh in very elaborate and over the top ways and at one point he, at one point he cuts pizza with a pair of scissors for no apparent reason. Okay, now there's a cult involved in the film, right? A pizza cult? Oh boy! <laughs> oh boy! I don't remember. I thought they, I think they were just criminals, but maybe maybe they were cultish. I don't think I don't remember. All right. Well, IMDb says <laughs> a tough on crime street cop must protect the only surviving witness to a strange, murderous cult with far-reaching plans. Hell yeah. All right, what we got to do? I think we got to get together and watch Cobra. <laughs> Again, this is one of those movies that people bring up and they're just like, dude, it's like Cobra. Well, you're a, you're a, I'm Arnold a King guy. Cobra fan, okay? Yeah. I don't fuck with Well, you're, so you're also Cobra. Arnold. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, this looks genre as fuck. Like, I, I'm not a huge, um, what was the movie that we watched? It was, uh, who's the, the white guy that fought Bruce Lee? I can't think of Chuck Norris? Yeah, remember the, the movie where it, uh, Robbie said it was him versus Michael Myers. Yeah, that movie's great. What the hell is that movie called? Sonic, can you look that up? I can't remember. Because I'll recommend that one to you, Nick. That one, even if you just watch that opening scene, it's fucking worth it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I didn't watch the Cobra until a couple of years ago. And I couldn't believe I had not seen it. It's awesome. You should check it out. All right, good. I, I will then. Um, Again, uh... I don't know if you guys have anything to add to Halloween Kills. 
the the weakest thing I thought was where's Michael at? Because I thought that uh, people keep saying there's a lot of Easter eggs in that movie that kind of call back to like part four and five of the original franchise. I haven't seen those fucking films in so long that they went over my head. Like in Halloween Kills, I definitely caught the like um, the mask from Season of the Witch. There's a couple of those. That Silent show. Rage. Thank you. Silent Rage. Mm. But in Halloween Ends, the where is Michael Myers thing, I'm like, clearly that's a little bit of a wink towards Halloween 3 where there was no Michael. Yeah. Like, I, that's the only thing I picked up on, but it didn't even feel that, like, alien to me. Like, in the very beginning of the movie, I'm like, oh, that's, that's fun. Like, you're doing, like, what if Halloween 3, Halloween Ends, there is no Michael. But you still get, I mean, you still get all the gnarly kills that you would get with Michael. So I do get that Michael only killed like two people or three people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. It was pretty also fun when Corey Cunningham killed a bunch of people as Michael. It actually it reminded me of uh, Friday the 13th 5, the one where it's like not Jason. Are you a fan? I actually do like that one. I think that one's actually pretty good. Uh, I... I think that one also drove people insane and made them bring back Jason. But Now, that's an interesting one because um, Friday the 13th, A New Beginning is one of my favorites. And uh, again, R.I.P. Dominic Braja. He was the uh, dude in the beginning. If you've seen the movie, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, he seems like he's a little on the spectrum. But that film still hits every trope of a Friday the 13th movie. Like it's it's exactly fits into the franchise, just it's not Jason. Which I'm like, man, you're really splitting hairs if you're protesting that film. Have you ever seen it, Clark? What? Uh, New Beginning, Friday the Thirteenth Part no. Five. How deep into that franchise have you ever gone? I don't watch it garbage. <laughs> <laughs> what about like Nightmare on Elm Street? I don't care about I don't care about his fucking little sweater, his fucking little knives on his hands. <laughs> Okay, where are you at with all the franchise horror, Nick? Uh, I I, really, I love the Fridays. Uh, I, it's funny because I think Friday the Five actually hits the tropes really well and like better than a lot of the other Friday the Thirteenth movies. So I think I also find it funny that people hate it because it actually is one of the better made ones because almost all of them are poorly made in one way or another. Well, it's just a. Uh... It's just a lot of the same. <laughs> like, oh, okay, we're doing it again, and it's fun. But I think that's why now, in retrospect, like uh, Friday the 13th Part 5 or Part 7 or X or Nightmare on Elm Street 2, it, like all the, all the weird ones, they really start to stand out. And, um... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but who's your favorite? Again, that... Uh... The pantheon of slashers. I mean, I like the, if you're talking Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Friday, I gotta go Jason Voorhees, but, uh... We could open that up a little bit. Texas Chainsaw. Sure. We could throw in a pinhead. Oh, uh, you gotta go Texas. Handyman. You gotta go original, original Texas Chainsaw. Um, Randy's nodding his head. Shut up, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> I was shocked when on Letterboxd, Randy gave that movie a five. It's good. My answer for that is the idea of death from Final Destination. 
Wait, what? I, I think I might have misheard you there. My favorite slasher is just death from Final Destination. Okay. <laughs> I feel like that just defaults to Tony Todd, though. He's only in, like, is he in all of them? I think he's only in, like, two of them. Is he in all? He's, he's in, all in two of them. Two yeah. Of them. yeah. Okay. So. Tony Todd is, he may be in every movie ever made. Randy, have you seen Candyman? Yeah. Oh. The new one and the original. Okay. Because, I mean, gay director Philip Glass, it's got Randy written all over it. <laughs> it's all right. I don't like the uh, saying things five times thing. It seems like too many. Oh, my. I don't like more. It's Candyman five times? It is. Yeah, you're yeah, right. It's too it many. Is. You're more of a Beetlejuice guy. Then. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know. All right, well, do you guys have anything to add? I, I could go on about fucking Halloween ends forever. I know, Clark, you were not even excited about this idea. Well, no, what are you talking about? You like the movie, but like... I like Nick. I'd, yeah, I know. <laughs> Nick, what the hell have you been up to? Is, are you working on anything we can talk about? Uh, so I produce two new horror movies over the past year that uh, have not come out yet. Uh, hopefully one of them comes out next year. Are, uh, are you guys doing the festival circuit on those? Yeah, we just one of them we just finished, and we're starting to go to the festival circuit now. So hopefully that comes out. It's called "Bury Me When I'm Dead." Uh, it's like a supernatural, fun supernatural horror. And then I co-wrote a new feature comedy with uh, the comedian Charles Gould, who starred in *A Touch of Heat*, that I'm hoping to try to shoot next year. Oh hell yeah! Uh, yeah, that one's called "Stay at Home," and it's about a about an unemployed and soon-to-be dad who goes on a men's retreat to try to rediscover his masculinity to prove to his uh, more capable and attractive wife that he is worthy of it. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, man. So when are you going to your retreat, Russ? I'm constantly on a retreat. <laughs> what do you think? I'm thinking about Halloween ends all day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not living in this. Why do you think I love urban fantasy so much? Because when I'm walking down a street, I'm thinking about anything except where I am at that moment. I'm walking down the street. I'm looking for a fucking fight, dude. <laughs> I'm saying I did not know where you were going to go with that. I did not expect that. <laughs> well, Nick. Okay, before we let you go, what what yeah. other movies have you been dying to talk about? Because we're here, we watch fucking everything. You got a hot take on a film, a recommendation that you can wrap up in five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> um, hot take on a movie. I would say there was a lot of Christine influences on this movie, and I think that's actually Carpenter's best movie, which might be a hot take to the Halloween and Sting fan. Ooh, can there. you elaborate on that? I'm I'm curious. I think uh, it's his best, like from a craft point executed movie i don't think there's any like like in all those other movies there's like something that like feels a little off to me like i feel like the the end of the thing is a little like wonky like there's some stuff in the original halloween even though uh people love it because of nostalgia but there's still stuff that like is a little laughable when you watch it Mm -hmm. but uh i would say go back and watch christine because that movie fucking really holds up do you mean just as far as like tight movie making like it's just really Tight movie making that is I feel like did it just ages super well. And I also liked all the influences of it in Halloween. 
Um, and also when he blow torches that kid. Perfection. Dude, perfect. And, you know, I think that's why I'm kind of like in love with these films now is I love it when a filmmaker isn't making a tight movie and it's kind of, it's a little wonky. Yeah. Because that's where I kind of have room to breathe. And I like, cause the end of the thing, like what I think of that, unless you're talking about like practical effects or something technical, I just think of um, Keith David and um, Kurt Russell hanging out. And you're kind of like left as an audience member to make a judgment call on whether this was a good idea or like a tragic couple of dudes dying for no reason. And not until the last time we watched the restoration did I actually kind of feel like really good about that ending. Because the way it opens up with uh, McGrady playing chess on the computer and then throwing his liquor into it, killing the computer. Yeah. Was I like, oh, this is a perfect like circle right here. Yeah. Like that kind of informs yeah. the ending. And yeah, uh, that was uh, completely my thesis. And thank you for stealing that. Continue. <laughs> I honestly, if I'm going to be truthful for once on the show, I steal all the Clark's ideas. <laughs> I'm an idiot savant. Fun. And you're always looking for a fight. And Wade. All, all right. right. Oh, yeah. uh, Nick, uh, if people wanted to, you know, do you do the social medias? How can people look uh, at you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Nick Payne Santos and Instagram at the same handle. And sometimes I post stuff. It's cut deep. It it's it cuts deep. There we go. That's the name <laughs> of your film. If you want to watch that, where could they do that? Uh, you can watch it on Shutter or Showtime or apparently now it's on Paramount Plus too. So you can check it out there. Look, you all over the place, baby. Look at that. Yeah, and then uh, Uncle Peggerhead's on Amazon Prime. Bang, bang, bang. There we go. Well, Nick, fuck, man. You and Randy living on the East Coast is just ruining my time <laughs> because I want to trap you guys for a long time and talk about horror movies. And Randy's giving, him his, he's giving me death eye. Randy's got to turn <laughs> the show over by tomorrow. I, but Randy's a master <laughs> at what he does. all the time. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I love you guys. Thank you for staying up late. Um, congratulations, Nick. I don't know. I don't know if it's really sunk in for you that you're gonna have a little uh, new life <laughs> to uh, father and take care of because it hasn't for me yet. But um, it will. Congratulations, man. I'm yeah. happy for you. Yeah. Thanks. You too. Um, yeah, it's terrifying and also nice. <laughs> All right, I've kept you up too long. Thank you all for hanging out and uh, allowing me to spout on about this shit. Thanks for hanging out, Nick. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. 
I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.